Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DeathStoreProds.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm your host, the Dead Man. Joe, today we have Bertie. Hello. And Nico. Bonjour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're French Canadian, eh? Oh, yeah, eh? It's a bilingual country, don't you know? <laughs> Fucking tap no. neck. I'm not. <laughs> et Quebecois. No, I'm not <laughs> French at all, actually. <laughs> People have said Montreal's the best place to hang if you're a student. It's Mailed. good for poutine. And there's a lot of strip clubs. A lot so, yes. <laughs> of strip clubs. And they do not give a fuck how old you are. No, not really. I went there when I was 18. That's the legal age, technically, there. I went there when I was 10. <laughs> We were driving back from Prince Edward Island, and I needed to use the bathroom, and so we stopped at the gas station. He's like, hey, guys, the bathroom? I was like, no, there's one next door. Went next door. It was a strip club. <laughs> Wasn't even anybody at the door. <laughs> nice. so, I just, so I just walked in there, took a piss. There were three truckers and one lady. Well, there you go. You're way ahead of my first strip club experience. I thought that. So that lady <laughs> got a fucking convoy ran on her ass. <laughs> I thought well, I was... This is starting off in a weird direction. <laughs> or a great one. <laughs> so speaking of convoys, Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of strippers. <laughs> Some Power Rangers stuff has happened in the last couple weeks. Uh, we got final issue of MMPR Pink. Yep. Which was... Still haven't good. read that yet, but... It's good. They did a thing yeah. with two of the characters that I wasn't expecting, but I'm kind of totally behind. And I will not spoil for you who have not read it yet. This is the part of their show where I shut my mouth. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> and we also got the second issue of Justice League Power Rangers. Yeah, where I think Kimberly's now a lesbian. Yeah, probably. Because she was on the comm telling Tommy, I just had a very intense conversation while Wonder Woman is in the jet with her, with the lasso of truth wrapped around her. Yeah, you know. Like you do. Uh, and it's kind of great them fucking summoning all their zords and just flashes reactor just, uh, oh, okay, yep. Yeah, or my favorite line from it, um, Zach telling Batman, why don't you smile? <laughs> yeah, it's just really weird looking at a, just seeing Zach trying to break down Like, Zack's logic for why he attacked Batman is... It's adorable. As he says, like, hey, so you guys, you look really scary, and, you know, good guys don't really dress like bats. Also, they smile. The fuck are you, dude? Is Batman trying to pull his, like, scare the other members like I'm scary Batman move no, on them? No, uh, not, not really. Uh, like when, uh, after, I think after the, the the pterodactyl zord took him for a ride and issues were worked out between Wonder Woman and Flash. Well, Flash and Wonder Woman kind of worked out okay, these guys aren't evil. They were like, so Batman was kind of forced to say, okay, I guess this happened and it was kind of my fault. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so he he like respects them already. Yeah. 
Okay. And on the worst side of things, uh, Zed has teamed up with Brainiac. Yep. Hmm. And the world's being attacked by lava squids. Or lava uh, octopi. Yeah, it's just being attacked by random aliens that Zed has pulled out of Brainiac's miniature cities and made them kaiju sides. And the ranger's like, okay, we'll help. It's like, no, you won't. No, yes, it is. This is what we do. Well, he actually, like, he... Batman's like, you, you brought this here. And then Zach's like, oh, yeah, fucking, we're going we're gonna to help with this. Of course we are. And probably the worst panel in this entire comic so far is in this issue, too. Which one? The final one where the ranger's like, this is what we do. And just all of them lined up. Uh, and it's yeah. just fucking, like, basically a T-pose. Yeah, I don't know. That could have worked if it was like a full page thing to show off more detail. But like as it's like pushed to the bottom of the page, it's off to the side. It's like they didn't know how to shoot it. Or draw it. Yeah. It's sort of be like uh, they finished the Megazord sequence. And the moment it finishes, you're seeing a down and to the left side shot of it. So it's like, uh, I, I can't really see it. You doing okay up there? It's like I guess it's cool. It's like check it out. Really it's like yo guys, I got this fucking Megazord. Check out its big toe. <laughs> fucking metal. Yeah, maybe if they had just shown like the heads, it might not have been as bad. But trying to show the whole body, it's a, it's too much crammed into too little space. Yeah, and like having. Like, with that same amount of... They, they needed more real estate. Like, especially with the Rangers, like, standing there overlapping each other. Yeah. And it's it's also really weird that Trini is the one who says, this is what we do, and she is pushed so far to the back. Yeah. Like, the only one further back than her is Kimberly, because she's basically hiding behind Zack. Let me ask you guys something. Does this uh, team up between these two teams seem at all forced, or are they gelling well together like like I kind of thought like the Ninja Turtles Batman one did? Uh, it gels pretty well. Uh, it's forced in the sense that it is, oh, we found a port. Oh, we fell through a portal into this world. Hmm. Okay, yeah. But other, than, but other than that, like, I think yeah. they, like, so far we haven't really gotten too much interaction with them, but what we have gotten... Mm-hmm makes sense and all flows properly mm. i think it's i think it's smart that uh another actually look at me giving props again to dc smart move on their part to have started doing these little crossover events between other companies because they also got like a batman the shadow crossover coming a couple weeks a couple months from now out uh that i heard about with dynamite comics god knows you know i mean that's a character that i'm sure they would have loved for batman to team up with right to bring more attention to the shadow oh yeah character so like that's that's cool like i i I like that they're doing that uh you know it's it it, it, it's it's good when the companies are able to do those kind of things and sadly a marvel dc thing will never ever happen again from back in the day right so (laughs) it's we will never be seeing a return to the amalgam world yeah (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's, it's a Dark shame. Claw will forever live on in our memories. Yeah, we'll never we'll never see the Hulk punch Superman Dark in Claw. the face again. Yeah, you know, 
So, because I think yeah, I think candle well, that would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's neat that they're doing these things at least. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of the Justice League, segue. Batman nice. has his own Justice League now. Well, isn't that just DC's operating procedure? Every good thing they have, Batman has to have his own. Yeah, pretty much. And it is pretty good. Oh, nice. Good to hear. Yeah. Uh, so, what is the origin of this again? I even read. I'd like to read a Justice League book. I am not reading one currently. Yeah. So this book. Yeah. Uh, well, unfortunately, the main one sucks. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so Justice League. This is a very... It's a bit of an odd one. So Batman is setting them up in in Happy Harbor. Out of a mountain base. You know, like Young Justice. Hi, Young Justice. <laughs> and so there are 16 members on this team, and we have gotten uh, comic book origins for four of them. Like we had, the, like we had their one little like one offs uh, with uh, Fixin, Adam, the Ray, and Killer Frost, and then the book introduces uh, Black Canary and Lobo. Nice. Now and is this? I don't Black know Canary, why Green Arrow. Yeah, the, yeah. This is essentially the Green Arrow, the Black Canary, and okay. she is set up there for. She is put in there essentially to keep the team together. Hmm. And there's this. The one who doesn't make any fucking sense to me is Lobo. <laughs> right. Well, Lobo doesn't make sense in any context except his own. Because here, here is Batman's essentially his mission statement for the New Justice League. He says, quote, I've started something new, a different team, mortal, not gods. And then he brings about the fucking unkillable space alien. Mm. Mortals, so a person with unlimited ice powers, a person who is light itself, and a not a, a, a Superman level alien power. Yeah, it's fucking. Or a woman with unlimited access to the magical animal kingdom. Yeah, I don't get it. Like, like, like for, I think the main group is fine. Like, if it was just, hey, we need people who aren't fucking out there fighting fucking space gods and shit. Like, I get that. That is fine. It's just the Lobo part of it doesn't make any sense. It's like we need a team that we we need a team that is made of people that are like we need a team of heroes that are of the people. We need fucking. This physicist who goes to a fucking community college. We need this fucking former punk rocker. We need a guy hanging out with local politicians. We need a supermodel. And we need an alien. Who is not a hero. Ever. You know what this stinks, you know what this stinks of to me? What? Deadpool was on that mixture of Avengers teams recently. Lobo is not Deadpool. I know they were both technically made by Rob Liefeld, but he's not Deadpool. No, but he's he's one of those characters who more bad than good, but 
whether or not he's good or bad is not really the point. He's more sort of an irritant than anything else. Mm. Oh, also, weird thing, Ryan Choi appears to have lost his super suit. Why would you set that up, then? I don't know. It's just, when we, whenever you see him in this, uh, we, he, whenever he has shrunk, he still has the belt, but he's wearing fucking sweatpants, a sweatshirt, and goggles. Like, you know, like, you know, lab science goggles. Hmm. Well, that's dumb. A little bit. And then we also got a little preview of things to come with the Ray trying to kill Lobo. Apparently, Killer Frost is a sister. Batman becomes Captain America. And Professor Palm oh. and and Ray Palmer is living in a blood cell or something with a space gun. Hmm. Well, it the book isn't bad. Ha- yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm a fan of Batman always wanting to make all these new teams now. No, it's terrible. Yeah, I think well, I'm more it, of a fan of, of him being the outsider, kind of, to a well, team. That, well, I mean, I was about to say, some of the, the some Morrison. DC's, some of the DC's better stuff has been when Batman knows he has to work with a team, but doesn't like working with the right. overly focused on doing things the right way instead of getting results Justice League. That's why he liked one of the better, other less mainstream DC books was The Outsiders. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... I haven't done anything with any of those characters. Is Katana still hanging around the Suicide Squad? I don't know. I don't read that book currently. Uh, uh, She fucking... She fucked off sometime last year. Okay. I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely... Like, it makes more sense for him trying to put people together with his own bat people and, like, the detective comics and stuff. Like, that's okay. Yeah, like, that makes sense. But him going out there saying, hey, Killer Frost, you go be a superhero now. Like, even when he was was the leader for a little bit there uh, of the bit that I have read of the old Bahaha or uh, Justice League International one, he was a leader for a bit, but then he didn't want to be the leader anymore, and he left that. Jelly Morrison's run, uh, same thing. He was not the leader, but he was always opposing all the decisions being made during that time, like, by, like, you know, the rest of the team. Yeah. So, so like, you know, I, I just, I like that aspect of it, of him more than him just wanting to go out there and form his own suicide squad or do this or, you know, or do the yeah, JLA I mean, thing. In the, right? in the fucking thing, Batman says, heroism is a community. Yeah, see, that doesn't sound like something bad I would say. No, it does not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I, this is this was. That actually sounds like something that the Lego Batman would have said. <laughs> watching too many Lifetime movies. <laughs> <laughs> but it was okay. You're saying just not like it was an okay start. Yeah, like the Batman stuff yeah. and the Lobo of it were the biggest kind of mm. outstanding problems I had with it. Other than that, like, I think the team is interesting. Like, these characters, I, mm. I'm i interested to see how they gel together if they do. Uh, throwing Black Canary in there is, I think, a decent move. And it mm. also contributes to the young justice-ness of it all. Right. Also, fucking Ivan Rice, dude. Oh, he's the artist on this? Yeah, he, okay. at, least, well, at least in this first is it, issue. Right. 
Yeah, because it's the rebirth run. And it right? looks fucking sick. So this is technically the rebirth issue prior to the number one issue that's going to come out. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, we, we've seen how that turned out for a lot of those books where the rebirth were like meh, and then like it actually started off on a good note after that. So maybe the Lobo will be a fun addition to the team, though, like kind of like what the uh, the uh, Clayface was to that uh, detective team. You know what I mean? Like, because we we're kind of like, I know a lot of people were scratching their heads at that at first, but it turned out to be he's like my favorite member of that team now. You know what I mean? Like, so we'll maybe him being on the team will be fun. I don't know. It's, yeah, time will tell, I guess. Yeah, but like throughout his throughout his run, like Clayface has been intermittently sympathetic. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'd say where that. like where like his thing, yeah, his whole thing of like, oh, I I got fucked, I got fucked by some kind of chemical bullshit, and now I'm this horrible monster, can never go back to my old life. That is something to actually make you feel sorry for him. Lobo is less He's so. The main man. <laughs> you yeah. never feel sorry for a person who looks like Lobo. Yeah. Did you see him roll up on a bike in this? Uh, no. He got flung out a window, landed on the sidewalk, hit on Black Canary a bit, and then tried to fucking man off with Batman. See, that all sounds pretty good. <laughs> that, sounds me, in ca- that sounds in character with, for Lobo. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like something conducive of a fucking team player. No. Yeah, that's what no. I was say. It doesn't sound like someone who would listen to Batman. Right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It wouldn't surprise me if that fucking bit with the Ray stabbing a fucking light sword through his goddamn chest while he's calling him a Bastiche. It wouldn't surprise yeah. me if that's the start of this first issue. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that would be alright. Just fucking page one is the Ray trying to trying to blow Lobo's head off. And he's saying, come on, you besties, bring it on. The main man's going to fuck you up. <laughs> Just throwing birds everywhere. Do we know if this is one of the double shipping ones, or is this a monthly title? Uh, I think it is bi-weekly. Okay. Yeah, well, the next issue goes on sale on the 22nd, and the second issue goes on sale the 8th of March. Okay, yeah, so... So, yeah, it looks like every two weeks. Or three weeks, because then the third issue is the 29th. Hmm. I don't know, this is fucking weird. Yeah. We're getting... Okay. It, it looks like we're getting two issues a month. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, GLA. Not bad. Nice. It's actually pretty good. Okay. Just. I hope they do something. <laughs> the birdie. All right. Well, I'm kind of cheating on this one because this just came out today. But. <gasps> <laughs> but since we're talking rebirth, uh, Batwoman rebirth. Ah, oh, it's in my stack. God damn it. <laughs> Go ahead, talk about it. <laughs> well, beyond the fact that I like Kate Kane's Batwoman, I just picked this up because, oh, James Tinney and the fourth is the artist. Or, you artist? Mean, Steve Epting. Is he? That's Steve. he's listed second. No, he's, uh, he's a co-writer with Marguerite oh, okay. Bennett. Huh. Steve Epting's the artist. 
Okay. I, I think. But still, I mean, it's still... <laughs> I still like when James Tenney in the fourth works on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve Epting is the artist. Okay. Yeah, it was just like, wait, James Tenney in the fourth, what? He's, he's not an artist. Yeah, okay. The way the it looked, it was written, looked like he was not... Yeah, okay. But, uh... Yeah, so this is this is just a one shot designed to set up where they're going to be going with Batwoman as a character after this. What it's kind of supernatural beings is she fighting now? <laughs> um, she seems to be going to some isolated island. Like most of this issue is just looking at different parts of her life from her early childhood when her sister was kidnapped and her mother was killed. To her growing up lesbian, growing up and learning she's a lesbian while in the military, her rock bottom years when she just couldn't accomplish anything to when Batman sobered her up and all that stuff, mm. and it ends with Batman sending her on a mission to an isolated island ruled by assassins that are apparently not the League of Assassins, or maybe they are. I don't know. To stop um, a new drug called Monster Venom. Which is somehow linked to the Monster Men? Yes, uh, that is. Mm. Yeah, it was revealed in the later, uh, in like the following Detective Comics issues that Monster Venom is a serum, is like the serum that made them monsters. Mm. Bernie, have you been reading Detective at all? Because. No, I I was. Okay. It was kind of a. I don't know. Some of the way the, direct, the direction they've gone with some of these characters, I just don't give a shit. So, mm. well, the the lead into the Batwoman series, like the last whole storyline arc, was basically based on her in Detective, and it, it pretty much led into this series. That's that's why I was yeah. asking if you if you had checked okay. it out. But uh, but yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say it's required reading, but it's definitely okay. it's no, also I mean, my got enough about the direction it's going from this. Uh, yeah, uh, Kate's batshit sister is still alive. Gorgeous. Um, uh, one of Batwoman's former lovers is a leader of assassins, just not of the League of Assassins, and she seems to look to be one of the major antagonists of this next story arc. And there is some... I don't know if this is Kate Kane, just some way I didn't recognize, but to someone calling themselves Commander Kane wearing Bat Stormtrooper armor with carrying, like... That's from guns. Detective Comics. Okay. That's the Colony. A secret okay. or a secret military organization set up by her dad. Mm. Yeah. Who's now, I think, still in prison. Yes. Or in the uh, Belfry. Yeah. I guess they have him well, uh, in prison. They are apparently also going to be a feature in this story going forward. I and figured as much. Someone is... <laughs> They're the new Court also, of Owls. Oh, good. That means it's not worth reading. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's not much to say about it story-wise. It's mostly just set up. It's very pretty. I I don't know if I recognize Steve Epting's art style from anything else. I just... He did Velvet? Oh, oh, well, that... Never mind, then. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a, he's a long, long-time Brubaker collaborator. Yeah. <sighs> Cap- Captain America... 
Yeah, he. Oh, yeah, he worked on Captain America: Winter Soldier. So, mm. yeah, it's it's weird to see him on the Bat title, though. So, I'm not surprised that you didn't realize. Like, it's yeah. very strange. I don't think he's. I don't know him from. DC yeah, I mean, Steve Epping's art style is very similar to the stylings of James Tinney in the Fourth. No. As, far as, t- as far as I can tell, the only DC thing he worked on other than this is he worked on Aquaman during the 90s. Oh, really? Huh. Huh. No wonder yeah. I didn't read it. <laughs> hey, uh, man, yeah. you had that fucking um, sick hook hand. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, this is... It looks like there's good hope for a... a, a a Batwoman series where they won't say "ugh, gay," cancel it. <laughs> They'll still say "ugh, gay," cancel it. <laughs> Come on, this is DC we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'm, I'll be reading it. I'm hoping it's. Uh, it's They'll good. introduce yeah. a new cop girlfriend for her, and then the two of them will start getting close, and it's like, oh wait, it's too, it's getting too much gay. There's there'll be like a meter where, like, if you hit this much gay, cancel the book. Yeah, but I would say read it. All right, then. Nico. All right. Uh, Let's see here. Let's talk about some Hal Jordan, shall we? And the Green Lantern Corps. (laughs) Um, So the first volume just came out this past week of uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps uh, Rebirth. uh, Collects the Rebirth issue and the first seven issue uh, arc storyline of the Hal Jordan book, and um, just to start out, I, I just uh, I should note I, I have not read ever really a lot of Green Lantern. I've read a, read a handful of the issues that Jeff Johns did. I read like I think Green Lantern Rebirth that he did, and like when he's been like a, a bit player in in other things. But I haven't read majority of the Johns stuff, and uh, haven't read much really Green Lantern comics. Uh, so I heard the Rebirth books were good. Um, not Where did you watch. hear that from? I've I've just, you know, from on the internet, I've heard that the, the, the start was a little rocky, but I heard that they've actually found their, um, uh, uh, you know, footing right now. I've heard that the series have been both uh, decent. Are these uh, the same so, people who said that the fucking Neo-Batgirl shit is the really hot take for the new direction for the character? <laughs> No. Is it No, I've just been, I've been seeing it. Yeah. Is it me? No. <laughs> Is that I, what you're asking? No, I was... I was adding emphasis to the fact that comic critics are wrong a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when it comes to DC it books. Us? <laughs> uh, well, Nico has hope still. um okay so here's the thing that being said uh although i haven't read many green lantern comics after finishing this volume it feels very familiar in the sense that this is exactly what i would expect from a green lantern comic and that it didn't really take i don't think that it's straight it's it's you know i don't think it's it's pretty much just probably what you would expect from your standard Green Lantern comic, and in that sense, it was quite uh, bland. I felt um, it was it was wait, okay. wait, 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 wait. Yeah, do you mean to tell me that Hal Jordan is bland? <laughs> <laughs> that he's a boring, milk toast asshole. Yeah, 
Why, I never. <laughs> well, we had, a, we yeah. had an interesting conversation last night, Nico, on the Movies Podcast, where I was mm. talking about a terrible new show on Fox called APB. And mm. the lead on that show is basically if you took Iron Man and removed all his charisma, which I found kind oh, of hilarious God. because it's the <laughs> voice of the guy who played Hal Jordan on Justice League War. <laughs> okay. Um, didn't, wasn't, uh, who did David Boreanaz voice? Wasn't it him in one movie? That was uh, Green yep. Lantern, but that, but that was in, uh, New Frontier. Right. Yeah, right, we actually right, made him interesting right. by putting him in right, the middle right, of the right. Korean War or something. Yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I liked, I liked that, but I like New Frontier, so that's no surprise. Yeah, New Frontier is uh, fucking spectacular. Yeah. Nobody well, else like has been able to write fucking Hal Jordan, interestingly. So, so, you know... Uh, I don't. Okay, so I don't think this was bad. I know that you guys are loving the fact that you made. <laughs> you would like to. You 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 would like me to bash this book. I would. I wouldn't say it was. I don't necessary. care. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't have the hate on for Hal Jordan that Dead Man does. I just don't. I don't. And I don't want you to hate it. I want you to know why I hate it. <laughs> because is it because you find them boring because i will say that that i did find that like this part about that the, this volume specifically that it, that was the case why why do you hate him because <laughs> he's boring and the most popular one right when like there's other interesting guys like kyle or like even uh um, yeah like, like kyle john and guy i think are all way more yes, things john i fucking want to i want to hear more about the goddamn squirrels so, <laughs> but give me a Kilowog book, Toma Ray. I'll fucking I'll fucking read nine issues of right. him fucking sorting shit out in the goddamn library. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that being said, um, be- the, all those people you did mention are also not front and center in this book, but are bit players in this book because it's Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, and all the parts I f- I felt that they showed um, kind of what was happening to them throughout this storyline were. Definitely more interesting than the Hal thing. The Hal, Hal was written very cheesy in the sense like he just kept showing up and it was their basic Hal versus Sinestro kind of uh, battle during this first arc. He just like, uh, was like, hey guys, and then just you just like a splash page of him walking into a room while everybody's like, yeah, Hal Jordan. Pretty much, yeah. That was a lot of the first seven issues was him doing that. And um, so basically, just to get into the story a little bit, he forged his own ring uh, because I guess at the end of some events of the New 52, he didn't have a ring anymore. So he ends up forging his own ring in this. Do you remember in, then, do you remember in DCU where Hal Jordan was running around with a fucking hooded cape on like a fucking weird oh, criminal person yeah that's that's he was, right he was wearing it he was wearing a fancy green lantern suit made by the guardians okay that didn't require a ring then he used that to forge a ring right yeah see that's it actually you see that in the first rebirth issue yeah i'm looking at it right now the robe see but they didn't really explain that like they they kind of just jumped into things in that sense like they did explain how he forged it and everything but from there, um, they basically, uh, you know, you see what's up with the Yellow Lanterns. Again, what you'd kind of expect from a Green Lantern book. And I'm sure that everyone who's been reading Green Lantern for a long time has had enough of the Yellow Ra- Lanterns uh, part of things. But then, as a person who hasn't read much, I, I got introduced to Sinestro's daughter, uh, Sorinik or something like that, I think it is. Uh, is that her name? Sorinik? I don't fucking uh, know. 
I think that's his daughter's name, uh, who's also in this. Um, and basically, she used to be a Green Lantern, but now she's a Yellow Lantern because of the absence of the Green Lanterns. I guess everybody disappeared at the end of the New 52 for some reason, and there's only like a... Oh, a right. Now, there was that there's, fucking storyline. Yeah, so there's only now a few hundred out of like thousands of Green Lanterns that have come back into existence. So Hal Jordan in this is basically separated the whole time from the Green Lantern. They don't know that they're both... Like, he doesn't know that they have reappeared. Um, Kyle and... Uh, what's his name? Guy Gardner and uh, John. They they, they basically... Um, they they are have been wake, making their way towards this planet that um, Sinestro was operating out of. And Hal is already there trying to take him out with this new ring that he's forged. And neither of them know that they actually are are alive at this point. Is so, there still uh, the... Are there still lanterns who refuse to use their rings? Uh, no, not in this. Because there's not really a lot of lanterns that go around. Right now, all, all there is is the yellow lanterns. Uh, that you see in this book, and the Green Lanterns that are alive, like I said, the, th- the, the few hundred that are. Um, but there is Yellow Lanterns now. By the end of this, as Sinestro is taken down, they're basically going to to go and join the Green Lanterns. They are now going to have to uh, fight together, because Sinestro gets taken down, and his daughter is now pretty much leading the pack of uh, like-minded Yellow Lanterns, who basically were just... Be, just became yellow lanterns because there was no more green lanterns at the time. Like they basically just they needed to do something work from the inside to make a difference, I guess, uh somehow. And so basically they were just they, they were they had become yellow lanterns and are now how, using their power for good. How? I don't know. Like, like, That's the like, thing. They didn't really get into that. Like, with, like, with, <laughs> with, the, with the lanterns, isn't it always like you only get a ring if you have the right mentality? Right. And this, they're kind of just like, they're just, they're <laughs> jumping shit. You get a ring. You get yeah. a ring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like it's fucking, like fucking Green Lantern. Like, you need, like, hey, you have the ability to over, you have the ability to overcome great fear. You have the ability to fucking get pissed off as shit. You have the ability to instill fear in people. You look hot with your tits out. <laughs> but, now it's, but now it's just, hey, yeah. you're afraid. Ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I, I think that it's gone on so long now that they're right. The new writers that are writing these books are almost breaking their own rules. It's like, and not it's like, hey, who gives a fuck about the rules? This is DC, <laughs> motherfucker. Right. So in that sense, I think they're playing with a lot of the same toys from the toy box that like Jeff Johns used, but I think they're basically not taking into account. Like, you just brought up a very good question. Like, how are they able to... Like, they're not technically... I don't think they're switching to be Green Lanterns. I think they're just going to be working with the Green Lanterns. But, like, what makes them able to do that? Like, they should be all evil, you would think, right? But I, I don't know. Anyways, so the daughter of Sinestro is pretty much... They, they they meet up with Guy and everybody at the end of this. He takes out Sinestro temporarily. And basically, yeah, that's the first arc. And like I said, I have not read too much Green Lantern, but what you would expect, what I would expect from this is all the things that happened, basically Sinestro, Yellow Lanterns, 
you know, the commingling but the, of everybody together. And, and I did like, I did like, uh, reading about the other side of things. Like I liked how the Green Lantern Corps hasn't met up with Hal yet. And you actually got to spend time with all those characters individually. So I might continue reading. Like I said, there wasn't a lot. It, I didn't love it. I would, certainly didn't think it was bad, but it was very basic in the sense that, um, even though I haven't read much, this is basically like your 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 basic uh, Green Lantern comic, what you would expect from it. But I do want to know more about these other uh, members of the Green Lantern Corps. And just very quickly uh, with that, I've also a couple weeks ago picked up first volume of the Green Lanterns book, which is the Jessica Simon Baz book. Now that book's much better, I would say, in my opinion, after reading the first <laughs> volume of that. I, I like that because I like those characters. Again, very basic first storyline, them versus the Red Lanterns. But I like the fact that Jessica is still having that, that her inner, you know, turmoil, like her own issues trying to overcome them. And, and I like the relationship between those two because Simon's kind of like a hothead who has his own issues and she has issues. And, and basically the, the, the relationship between those two going back and forth, I, I, I do like that. Again, at the end of the first volume, it was, okay i would say but i did like that i do want to spend more time with those two characters and see how that fleshes out so so yeah it's it's an all right start i would say for a non-green lantern reader like myself um i thought they these were both okay volumes for the green lantern stuff but but nothing great depending on it how the second volumes are are if i were to continue reading that would basically make or break the me continuing with the storyline at this point because if they don't do something interesting after this initial first arc i would say they're not worth checking out so all of this has just it reminded me of one of the more interesting ideas that they that they introduced after the really stupid storyline relic okay so in relic um they reveal that the the emotional energies that the rings tap into are a limited resource and once those resources run out the universe dies Oh, wow. So once they yeah. defeated Relic, uh, a bunch of the lanterns actually, a bunch of the green lanterns actually stopped using their rings and like refused mm. to use a ring ever again. Because they don't want to destroy the planet. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 exactly. they're, like they're still out there like doing, you know, space cop shit. Okay. It's just they don't have power rings. They're just doing it with fucking skill. Okay. Me- meanwhile, Hal Jordan is out there using his ring as much as possible to stop people from using their rings. <laughs> right. So he's <laughs> like, I only the green lantern Corps can use their ring. Hey, you guys not using your rings. Use them. Fuck you. That's fair. <laughs> that actually. Yeah. So I could see that he's a, he's pretty much a big meathead is by what you're saying. He's a fucking <laughs> he's dumbass. Like, yeah. No, you're not wrong. Like, you're not alone either. There's a lot of people that don't like this character. But like I said, I don't really... I don't have the hate for him because I haven't read too much about him, really. Like, I know who he is. Like, I know he's kind of, like, you know... Like, I know why people don't like him in that sense. But I just... I don't know. I... It, one thing I did forget to mention, though, that you just made, reminded me is... Now, by the end of this, he's also becoming Will itself. Oh, fuck you. Like, yeah, so he's becoming even more godly-like at this point. So if you really hate hell, you're going to already have We already have a lantern Jesus. It's Kyle. Yeah. Yeah. And he's... He, Kyle's supposed to be popping up, I heard, in the next arc. Kyle's next fucking dead or something. 
He's like well, he's he like, was in Omega Men, but that was prior to new to the rebirth. So I don't know. What's he and Carol there. are out there fucking fucking each other and making fun of Hal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you see her. Um, care. Isn't she like that sapphire chick or something Star like that? Star sapphire. And her, right. What's weird is her her costume has gotten stupider the more it covers. <laughs> I don't know what that says about what I think of the new design, but... Right. She's in like one panel, I think, of the rebirth issue in this. Like, they basically show her coming back into existence, because I guess they were all kind of... Yeah, and they show Larflees... And then they show this Indigo One leader. I don't know who that is. Uh, she is the head of the Indigo tribe. Okay. But what's what's their power? Uh, their power is they can copy the power of other lanterns around them. Okay. Okay. So they, they, oh, they, they, they have compassion. And they're okay. also all horrible criminals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, oh, really? Yeah, the, okay. Indigo, the Indigo tribe was set up by the Guardians as a punishment for some of the worst criminals around the galaxy. Hmm. They would take them and force them to join the tribe. And once they did, then they lost all free will or whatever and became kind of zombie-ish. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, see, uh, I don't know. I, I know that there was a certain point where you guys have talked shit about how, like, basically the John stuff was shit from then on. But is there, like, is majority of the John stuff good of Green Lanterns? Because, like, I, I'm somewhat interested to learn more about some of these people. The Jeff but John I just, stuff was but it's fine. all hell, right? Yeah. The Jeff- That's all hell, right? Yeah, it's all it's all hell. Everything's Everything's gone to hell. I, I basically, <laughs> I stopped caring about Green Lantern after Blackest Night. Hmm. Yeah, see, I've never even read that. Well, Blackest Night is good. Rebirth, a lot of the stuff in between Rebirth and Blackest Night is pretty good. Mm. Yeah, and like okay. uh, like that's the Sinestro Core War in there. Yeah, right. the introduction of Larflees, the revamp of the Star Sapphires. So, like, the first half of John's stuff sounds like it was pretty good. Uh, uh, like, on his run on... Yeah, it's alright. Yeah. Alright, well... Yeah, like I said, I would more so recommend the the uh, the Green Lanterns plural with Jess, Jessica and Simon, but uh, the How is okay. But I don't know so much about that one. I would like to focus more on the rest of the team at this point. So, so yeah, there you go. Okay then. Moving on to my next book, Guardians of the Galaxy. Huh. And you thought Carol Ferris couldn't look worse. <laughs> but Carol Danvers, sorry. Wait, is it? No, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, what? <laughs> sorry. That, I, that's, I think that's her. I, just, just to double check. I'm getting names confused. Yes, Carol Danvers. There, there we go. And you thought, are, and you thought Carol sure? Danvers couldn't look worse. Are you sure you don't mean James Tinian? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So. The recent arc, essentially, in Guardians of the Galaxy is that in the Civil War, their ship got blown up, and now they're all stuck on Earth. Oh, this... Is this the Bendis one? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, okay, I dropped this. Let, yeah, let's hear it. Let's... I'm probably going to end up dropping it, too, because this... Fuck I think it's about to end. This. I think this is the last arc, though, that you're talking about. The grounded arc? I think this is the last one that he's doing. Yeah, next up is uh, the issue about Angela. 
Okay. But so in Civil War, uh, they it it leaks that uh, Thanos is on Earth. Gamora, understandably, is a bit miffed. Pissed. Is a bit perturbed that supposedly two of her closest friends uh, hid the fact that the person she's been trying to kill forever is on the same planet as her. So she leaves the Guardians altogether and decides, I'm going to go kill Thanos. Because why not? What else am I going to do? Fucking drink? Get a job? Mm. So if she, she begins around, like I would I, if if she was still around I would kind of like it if Gamora teamed up with She-Hulk again where they's like oh my god mm. there's two of her that'd be dope <laughs> The green team is back motherfuckers Ah so anyway yeah she starts uh casing the Triskelion at which point she is attacked by the ultimates and Alpha Flight because of course. Yup. Uh, they beat her. You know, like mm-hmm. they can. And like, uh, yeah, like like America and fucking Monica Rambeau, the uh, other Captain Marvel, the other Ms. Marvel. Oh, they yeah, the photon. Yeah, they are like really into beating her. Like, whenever you see them, they look straight up pissed when they're fighting her. So Carol puts her into a Hannibal Lecter-style contraption with, like, the full-on fucking face grill. (sighs) And says, hey, Thanos ain't on Earth anymore. So, yeah, fuck it. Uh, We're going to give you over to the Shi'ar because, you know. Why? Because to get her off planet, but you know refugees on Earth, and there she's only on Earth because you called. Uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. No, they've totally fucked Carol. Yeah, and what's what's worse is Carol is Carol is pretending that she's doing all of this for the best. Because like, yeah. according, cause like, yeah, she she says like, hey, I pulled every fucking string to get Shiar to send you back into space. Uh, and our solution is having you having you like tried for your crimes on Earth. At which point it'll look bad for me. So bye bye. She escapes naturally. Yeah. And then gets back down to Earth, where it turns out that Thanos actually did escape and is not on Earth. So, Carol then locks Gamora in the cell that Thanos was in, holding her there, not letting her go while she screams, let me out, you can't do this to me. All our decisions are so great. (laughs) Yeah, and again, Monica Rambeau is just fucking being a bitch. Just, yeah, she deserves this. Fuck her. And America is there for reasons. Wait, Monica Rambeau is there too? Sort of, it's like the old, like disband now disbanded Ultimates there. Yeah, that yeah they were. Yeah, it was. Uh, like oh, okay. the, the team that yeah, went the, right, the, right, the team that Thanos. went to get her was Ms. America, Monica Rambeau, uh, Aurora, who I think is the old M or some bullshit, and Sasquatch. 
Okay, so it's the yeah Alpha Flight people too. Okay. Yeah, because you know Carol. <laughs> yeah, I just hate that she was basically part of like ten teams when this event happened. So you got to be constantly reminded that the Civil War shit like was going on and how terrible of a of a changing character that they've made. Now. Yeah, this is all <laughs> fucking terrible, and all the fucking Guardian shit like this has been. Like, fucking Rocket Raccoon is spending all of his time just out in the streets trying to get drunk and having everybody not freak out. Oh, my God, it's a raccoon. Mm. Drax is in a sewer somewhere. I don't know. He hasn't really shown up. Uh, Star-Lord is spending his day getting drunk and hanging out with old man Logan and also looking like Dick Grayson. And getting punched in the face by Daredevil. Yep. Can I, can I just say that I actually now enjoy and approve the fact that that now they've replaced uh, Wolverine with Old Man Logan? I enjoy when he pops up in books now. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Old Man Logan. I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't say I love that he replaced him, but the fact that they actually just brought him back and he's old. They should maybe do that with Captain Marvel now. Kill her off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Put yeah, her kill- statue beside, you know, Wolverine's. <laughs> yeah. Old man Carol. She just shows up. <laughs> Old woman Carol. <laughs> yeah, just she's all crotchety and like super bitchy. <laughs> no, it wouldn't work. But I guess it'd be better than this. <laughs> Whatever this is. Yeah. And yeah, and then fucking god damn it. Like Star Lord gets in a fight, like a bar fight with Old Man Logan, and then he gets arrested and put in community service, having to fucking carry having fucking to cart around an old ass man. And then get yelled at by fucking Ms. Marvel. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, this fucking book. Yeah, sounds like a bit of a mess. Yeah, and again, like, it is... The art style is not the same. But mm. I feel like the guys... I feel like uh, just we got an actual thing I can make sure. Chris Anka. I feel like Chris Anka was a big fan of Grayson mm-hmm. because fucking Star Lord spends so much of his time <laughs> with just fucking abs out, just fucking blow. Right. It well, I is. Think he's also doing the, the solo uh, Star Lord book now, isn't he? Supposed to be doing that. This is from the solo Star Lord book. I thought you were just talking about Guardians. Oh no, I'm expanding because fuck oh, okay. every Guardians book. <laughs> Okay, no, sorry, yeah. yeah sorry, I branched uh, out. No, no, that's okay. On I, my list, I just I, wrote Guardians of the Galaxy, so I guess in my head I'm just like, oh, that means the entirety of the Guardians. Well, yeah, I mean, there is... Because they have, like, is, nine books going. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is the Gamora book any good? Have you been reading that? Uh, it's, a, it's a backstory book. It's like a flashback thing where she and Nebula, because Nebula's in the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, they like Gamora is going to a planet in the middle of the in the middle of a black hole in order to try to find the the ruler of the Badoon mm-hmm. because turns out the Badoon didn't kill her family. Oh, okay. You know, Thanos did. Right. Has Mantis showed up in any of this? Because she's in the yep. trailer for the New Guardians. Oh, she is in it now. She okay. has not. Oh, she hasn't. Oh, I thought you said yes. Okay. Nope. Uh, nope, nope, nope. Yeah, because I would have thought she would have showed up because she's uh, yeah, you'd think, in the but... tra- trailer. Yeah. Huh. 
Uh, Jerry Dugan's going to be writing the new relaunch after Bendis. <laughs> also, I, I, what the fuck happened with that whole Kitty Pride shit? Like, I, that just fucking, that happened. It was fine, and then it fucking exploded and imploded in such a fast way that I, that I don't remember how it all fell apart. <clears throat> Why are they not dating anymore? Nope, they have broken up and refused to talk to each other. Oh, see, I didn't even know that. I when I stopped reading, she was still with him. Okay. And Gamora Why? has lost her cosmic powers or something. Wasn't that because of that Black Mirror? No, she got them because of the Black Mirror. But then, oh, like right. fucking Angel still has his bullshit. That's true. Like half yeah. the characters who got their fucking cosmic powers have lost them. Venom still has it though. No, he does not. No, he there's doesn't? new Venom now. There's it's a brand new venom. venom. Oh, he's not the Space Venom anymore. The whatever that book was called. Oh, okay, he's not huh. a Space Knight. He is not Rom. Yeah, that's it. Space Knight. Yeah, he's not a Guardian of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. No. Um. Well, yeah. Nor should he be? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Flash is Flash Thompson is now legless again. I think, and the oh. fucking and the fucking Venom's on some new jackass. Huh. Yeah, that's the new Venom book. I read it. I just, just quick aside. I read one issue of the Venom book. And I was like, I'm not gonna read any more Venom. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Anywho. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that all the books are a mess right now on the Guardian <laughs> side of things. Almost like the whole side of the Spider-Man books, except for a couple which are good. <laughs> yeah. So, Bitey. Ah. Hmm. <sighs> <laughs> So, um, Tom King is an author. Yes, he is. <laughs> a very good one. He writes books. <laughs> he does. And I read one of them. Oh. I read Sheriff of Babylon. Ah. It is very good. You liked it? Yes. Good. <laughs> you better. <laughs> it is good, yeah. <laughs> I was expecting another. I like how you led up to that. You're like, it, it was good. I was like, I thought you'd be like, what kind of shit is this? This garbage. I wanted to see how long I could troll you. <laughs> you did get me. You did get me for a bit there. Anyways, go on. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, for those who, I, I think Nico, have you talked about this book before? Uh, nope. Okay. Uh, so this is an indie book from. I think it's IDW. I can't remember which of the indie public. Uh, no, no, Vertigo. Vertigo. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, this is an indie book from Tom King mm-hmm. about uh, a group of character, a, a group of various people with various allegiances and desires working in the post Iraq War green zone in Baghdad to try to mm-hmm. maintain and establish order. And it's not going well. Yeah. No. <laughs> Let's put it lightly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, uh, I mean, I could go into the story more, but it's sort of, it's like, I've only read the first volume. I know there's more. I think the second volume is out. Um, yeah, it just came out, I think, like a week or two ago. I've yet to read that one yet. Yeah. But uh, it's a lot of political intrigue, a lot of various factions with different interests being set up. Uh, 
you would think a woman getting hit by an RPG and surviving but having a miscarriage would be a bigger impact than it has been so far, but it hasn't. <laughs> I picked a time to come back. <laughs> yeah, so one of the um, Iraqi translators and one of the head council women in for rebuilding Baghdad is fucking one of the uh, contractors with the U.S. Army. Mm. And she apparently was pregnant with his child, but then she was in a car got hit, that got hit by an RPG. Right, right. She survived, but had a miscarriage. Which, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, car crash caused by RPG, a little bit worse than the usual st- stock excuse of, I fell down and had a miscarriage. It's like, oh no, a door opened wrong, and now my baby's bleeding out of me. Yeah. And just, but, uh, just you know, yeah. that joke was not to discourage. Not, that joke was not to disparage women who had to have miscarriages. It's a horrible thing to happen to you. It's to it's to miss. It's to fucking bullshit at terrible miscarriage excuses. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, in fiction, the tendency of writers to say, "Yeah, just we need drama." You fell on your baby. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So um. Yeah. No, this is a perfectly good Tom King book. Uh. He does this weird thing with this with the writing in this where uh, he'll have characters doing something on, on the panel and talking about either something off-panel or that's important to what's going on on-panel, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which is pretty effective storytelling for this kind of thing. I do like how whenever someone dies, he has just one black panel that just says, bang. Mm-hmm. So a lot of weight, a lot of interesting characters. Um, it's mostly just set up in this first volume. Stuff has happened, but it's mostly just setting the pieces in motion for the, I'm assuming, much greater eventual chaos. Uh, art's pretty good. It's a little wonky on faces. Mm. Like I don't, I can't remember who does the art for this book, uh, but uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch Garrods. Yeah, mm. and for the most part, it works. Like there's mm. scenes where this guy is sitting at the former Baghdad Zoo and watching lions tear shit apart. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty graphic and pretty effective for setting the tone. But then you'll have gritty, uh, serious faces that look like they're stuck sideways. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to have more of a conversation. But the <laughs> artist won't let my face move. <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely get. I see what you're saying. I'm trying to emote, yeah. but I can't move my jaw that much. God damn it! <laughs> I'm trying to smile. The artist won't let me do anything but grimace. <laughs> Urgh, I'm so happy right now. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you! I'm happy. So yeah, a good Tom King book. Nice. See, it does Every exist. time you say that, it sounds backhanded. <laughs> I'm mostly it just doing it, it to mess with, mess with Vico at this point. <laughs> you, mean, you mean another good Tom, D- it's Tom King book. Uh, you mean a Tom <laughs> King book, motherfucker. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just wanted to quickly add to what you said, Bertie, is um, I would suggest uh, definitely pick up the trade of this. There's two trades out, and they're just on hiatus right now, and they're going to return to tell the uh, second half, I guess, of the story that they had planned. Uh, and definitely take your time reading this. 
Uh, I don't think this is something you can rush through. I don't know if you did, Birdie, but I felt that I, I read... I read the first couple of issues and then I kind of had to, I read them quickly and then I kind of had to go back and kind of go over it again because, um, I wouldn't say it's hard, hard to follow, but it's one of those things where, like you said, the way it's written and the way everything kind of connects all because they're kind of following these three different people all in the same area and all their very intricate. Exactly. And all their storylines kind of overlap towards the end, but, um, it's like, but like you said, it's very well done in that sense it works well it's just it's definitely something you have to sit sit down and take your time with it's not like a, a quick fast read in that sense but uh yeah no i also enjoyed it, it so good. fans no, of neo batgirl the... avoid this book <laughs> yeah no i read the trade in about an hour or two but yeah so yeah um nice tom king is a good writer and he can show it sometimes <laughs> one of these days birdie <laughs> no i like this is a continuing uh ongoing joke between us that we're having you just gonna you know also mitch garrett's the artist he um he, he did this book with he just did the two issue catwoman story in batman with tom king which was also that we talked about uh yeah i think last episode a bit so um, so yeah, and, uh, he's he's also pretty good. Uh, I'm looking forward to more excellent Tom King books. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Uh, so all done then, Birdie. Yep. Ready. Okay. All right. Uh, so Kingpin number one. Uh, yeah. The, the newest of you villain title books from Marvel. <laughs> So, Dead Man, you read this? Yes, I did. It it's like... actually kind of funny with Birdie's thing. It did remind me a bit of how they tried to portray him in uh, in Daredevil. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you guys got it. I I was basically going to start off by saying the same thing. Just um, not as good. I liked this issue, actually, quite a bit. But I will say that I, th- I was going to say that it, that's not necessarily a bad thing because Vincent D'Onofrio was so excellent in Daredevil. So I thought that... Um, I thought the uh, characterization of him in this issue, uh, while I'm not making that comparison, is definitely a comparison to be made because it did remind me of his character on the show. Um, but um, in the sense that, like, there's a woman that he's basically trying to get to come work for him, and he's very charming. He comes off very charming in this issue, although you know he's a bad guy. And it just kind of plays that fine line throughout the whole issue of him trying to entice her to come work for him. Kind of like, you know, I'm the kingpin, look at me, I'm at this party with all these, you know, rich people and politicians and very important people. And I, you know, I... I, I, you know, I'm really, I'm a good guy, believe me. And like, he gets robbed towards the end in the street by a mugger. And he basically, you know, kind of like just gives him his stuff. And he's like, oh, you know, it's not worth it, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, I'm not a hero. Here you go, sir. You know, kind of gives up his stuff. No problem. Tries to make him look, you know, look noble in front of this woman. And then basically she's like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll come see you or I'll pretty much, uh, come work for you like she likes making her decision she's basically about to do that when she finds out at the end uh there's another dead junkie on the street who is the dead junkie who basically just robbed them previously so again you you think he's good for a second he might be like a decent guy but look what happened he's probably the reason why this junkie is dead in an alleyway now yeah it 
I don't like the reason I think it worked. Like the reason this kind of thing I think worked better in the uh, in the Daredevil as opposed to in the book is because mm. like with with Daredevil, it was setting him up as a new character. It was setting him. It was introducing to us to this version of the Kingpin. So mm. that so that kind of like oh is he like as bad as he is he as bad as he think he is? That is something that can be mined because it's new. With this, mm. it's this it's the Kingpin. We know the Kingpin. We've seen the Kingpin. The Kingpin has been running a ninja outfit for fucking decades now. Right. So having so having that oh maybe he's not as bad as we think he is. Oh did he kill that guy? Mm. We don't know. That is nothing. That is completely flat because he is the motherfucking Kingpin. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, that's because we already know him to be a bad guy. And why would you want to read a book about somebody who's pretending not to be when we already know him to be? Yeah. Yeah. Also, I found the art. Particularly at this point when everyone's more familiar with the Vincent D'Onofrio version of the Kingpin where he's smashing people's heads in car door frames or trying to manipulate the heroes and villains to his own benefit. Yeah. Mm. And... The other thing, the other thing that I didn't really that was weird weird to me about this book was it felt it felt old in the art. Like the art was some the art to me was like John Romita Jr. by way of Frank Miller. Yes, I was gonna. Well, I, I you know I didn't see the for whatever reason I didn't make the, the John Romita connection, but I definitely seen some of the Frank Miller in the art. Yes, um, I didn't love the art. I thought it was okay. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's Ben Torres, and it's weird. Like like on every other character, they have a lot of like lines in their face. They have a lot of detail on them, but the main lady is nothing. Her face is basically just one fucking bit of flesh. There is no definition on it, really. Even even when seeing her, like there's no real like there's barely any separation between like where her chin is and where her neck is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're, you're no, you're right. And there's also a lot of panels in this uh, that I'm looking at, like when she gets the letter and the dress from him, that are basically just very empty, blank backgrounds. Oh yeah, they, like they are. There is like half this book has very, no backgrounds. Very minimalistic, but yeah, which was kind of annoying. Um, but to be f- perfectly honest, I thought that the story, although you did point out a, a good a good point on that, um, you know. Uh, I would say the story is what got me. I thought it was just really well written and really, um, really more so like I he did come off as that charming Vincent D'Onofrio character at times in this uh, to me. So like, and I'm usually not a fan of the the crossover between like uh, the cinematic stuff and the uh, the comics. The comics is the comics. That's that. But they're doing it so much these days, it's almost unavoidable in certain things. And I didn't pick this up knowing that that was going to be the case. Although, um, I, yeah, like I said, I, I did enjoy it. I thought I, I definitely I do like spending time with this character in the sense that I do like reading one-on-one time with uh, villain-type books, like getting into the heads of villains and stuff like that. And that's definitely something that Marvel has been doing a lot now with the Thanos book and the Doctor Doom Iron Man book. And you know what I mean? Like, uh, So Kingpin is definitely a character I like. I like how they also made the reference that he is a Spider-Man and Daredevil villain in this. Uh-huh. But, which is something people are quick to forget. I, 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 lo- I hate how when people always reference Daredevil and they don't reference the fact that he's actually one of Spider-Man's biggest villains as well, right? Yeah. So, also, something I just um, noticed, like, going through this yeah. again, 
there are three panels that look not finished. Yeah. And they're all at the end, and they're all of the same thing. It is all. Which one? It is like it is uh, on the last like. Oh, with the phone. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. both times, <laughs> yeah, both times it is showing the character from like kind of little off center from a right side, holding up holding up a phone, and she is just white. Like there is nothing about like nothing about her hair. It is just a block of white with eyes and nose, a mouth, and some shading around the neck. Mm-hmm. But they don't do that. And it's couched in between panels where she is completely colored and regularly inked and everything. She is wearing a fucking Spider-Man shirt in both of them, and that is completely fully colored. She's wearing a jacket in the, in the last two, and those are both completely fully covered and colored. Yeah. It is... Oh, what is Even this if, fucking art? I don't know. Even if it was a choice on the artist's part, it was a bad choice to make. Like, I, it think doesn't it, look I think it is a choice because we see a couple of times there are yeah. a few bits where we just see white outlines of characters. Hmm. Even if you uh, go back a couple of pages, if you go to the part where uh, Kingpin hands his money over to uh, like a drug man, like there's a bum that asks him for uh, money before they get into the car. Yeah, there's just like a single, a singular, very thin panel in between the him uh, walking with the woman and the silhouettes, and basically him uh, handing him the cash of the basically the bum just standing there awkwardly with a bottle, and it's just like black darkness behind him. <laughs> like I'm just like what like. <laughs> Like, that's what I mean. There's definitely some weird panel layouts and choices. So, like, almost to the point where, like, the artist does not look or come off professional in this. So, I, so in that sense, I really hope that they do change the artist at some point. Um, If it wasn't for the, I thought the storytelling, I, you wouldn't have much to to look forward to in this issue. But, but yeah, I liked it. I don't know. I think I'm going to continue with it. Um, I guess, like you said, Demet, are you going to or no? Nope. Because you, you you don't want to know this. Okay. Yeah, I know that's a fair that's a fair criticism. That's it. Definitely is that character, and you're right. We do know too much about Kingpin at this point to kind of. Uh, also, this is the same writer that did the Kingpin mini that happened during Civil War. Um, I don't know if you read that. I uh, read that, an issue of that, and I was like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, uh, so this is also, I guess, one of the first launches of the new. They're doing new books for all the Daredevil characters now. I think Bullseye's got one, and Electra's got one as well. I know, I know, Bullseye uh, has one. I haven't seen anything about the Electra one yet. Yeah, I think that's coming out in a, another week or two. The Electra one. So, so yeah, yeah, I liked it. I, I would, I would recommend recommend checking it out if you are a fan of the character from the show. Definitely. Um, although if it's something that bothers you, like dead man said about, um, the fact that he is the kingpin and let's not try to, you know, pull one over on us. Like, you know, we know who he is, then you, this may not be of interest to you. Yeah. So, yep. So yep. we want to buy a final book, the unstoppable wasp. Oh, nice. Yeah. This feels like Neo Batgirl. Oh, really? Uh-oh. Uh, I wanted to read this. But not in a bad way, just in a way that isn't for me. Like, this character, Nadia, has no backstory, really. Like, she is a she is a kind of wholly new character. So introducing her and having her be the way she is is fine. There is no there is no like like one of the one of the really things I hate about Neo Batgirl is the complete just fuck you to anything the character has built up. Nadia is a wholly new character. 
So, like, th- this, this, the tone I think they're going for works better in this. But it's still mm. not great because it's also... Like, like the beginning of the like the beginning of the first like two thirds of it is just a kind of a superhero team up. It is mm. it is Nadia, uh, Miss Marvel, and and a uh, Mockingbird. Mock as her name, Bar- Bobby Morse. Yeah, yeah. It's three yeah, of them teaming up. It's three of them teaming up against one of the several people that wears a yellow and green suit. There are like ninety thousand of them, so I have no idea which one this is. Hydra, you mean? No, it's a different. It's it's a different person. Not really a Hydra related. I don't think. Okay, no, I just thought of the green and yellow. I thought maybe that. Okay, first for right for a second, I thought you said her. I thought that her first her first villain was Bob. That that'd be something. But no, uh, her name is a. Uh, Monica Rapacin, Rapacin? Oh, Monica Rappuccini. Rappuccini? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the scientist supreme. She's the head of AIM. Yeah, her. <laughs> oh, but I thought AIM was no more now. I thought that was the... Uh, isn't that the Bobby... Uh, AIM is... The AIM Avengers is, book? AIM is now the... Uh, AIM is now the US Avengers. Right. Yeah, Bobby's uh, team there. Da Costa. Yep, Robert DeCosta. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so the first like two thirds of that book is that, and then it is all of a sudden switches to I'm gonna go build a team of girl scientists. Okay. Just hmm. kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. So like, they, like they get back to uh, like uh, Bobby gives Nadia a ride back to the house where she's staying. And they start talking about, like, science and shit. And it's like, hey, S.H.I.E.L.D. has a list of, like, the smartest people in the world. The first woman on there is at number 27. So, fuck that, I guess. And then she starts putting up a plan. She decides to start up the Genius in Action Research Lab. Which apparently, like, fucking an- anagram- anagramizes out to girl. Totally forgetting <sighs> the A. Right. <laughs> if it was actually real, it would be Garl. Yeah, Carl. <laughs> Not Carl, Garl. Carl. <laughs> oh, they also just like straight rip one of the jokes from a uh, Civil War the movie. Which one? Uh, it's me, Tony. You're conscious. We haven't talked in a while. Oh. <laughs> yeah, she gets. Yeah, uh, Monica Rappuccini has the giant robot, and Wasp goes inside it, starts playing music, and then it says, "I'm inside you. I'm your conscience. I'm telling you to give up crime." And this is and this yeah. is while she has hooked up her iPhone to the robot in order to make it dance ballet to Dazzler music. Yeah, definitely Batgirl ish, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Even that whole sentence that whole sentence you just said, iPhone, Dazzler music. <laughs> I was like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely in that tone, but you're saying better, kind of, or no? It's better, <laughs> it's better in ways, but still just as bad to me. Hmm. Talk about the artist, because I think this is that artist I really like that does this book. Um, is this the Darwin Cookish looking person? Uh, this is uh, this is Elsa Chartier. 
Isn't she the one that was doing that Starfire book? That the the one that looks kind of does it not come off Darwin Cookish at all or no? Uh, like in, a, in a, a lesser form, not obviously as good as Darwin Cook, but isn't it like now that you mention it, I can kind of see it. Okay, because I think I think we had talked about you didn't we talk about the Starfire book when it was out? Did you read that? Uh, or someone Birdie here did. did. Birdie. Okay, because I think that was the artist that worked on that book. That was um, what book? The art reminded me of like a. Uh, the Starfire Star book, the Jimmy Pagliari oh. one that that they had. That wasn't Amanda. Connor. Wasn't that the Darwin Cook like uh, lo- like? Uh, no, she did the covers and she wrote it. I think. Uh, ah, it doesn't matter. I just I just remember that. Uh, I think that she's the one that kind of looks Darwin Cookish, like a poor man's Darwin Cook. <laughs> Charitaire. Sorry, I'm just looking her stuff up. Yeah, go on. Yeah, so second issue, they introduce a new character, um, Tana Miranda. She is a girl who has some kind of muscular atrophy, I think, because when we see her, she's walking around on like the really big arm crutches and has a wheelchair and like a and, like a freight elevator going from her fire escape up to her room where she builds shit. Then she teams up with then she teams up with Moon Girl in order to fight a giant rat. You know. Like you do. And then giant we, rat? Yeah. And then we meet a fucking character who apparently she hung out with in the Red Room. I'm not going to keep reading this. Just this book is... Uh, it's it's, it's not bad. for me. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. It's. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's for me either. I just... I had hoped that it was... Uh, it was good just because I'm like, oh, maybe that's going to be one of those under the radar books, you know? Yeah, and it'd, and, it'd be, and it'd be cool having like a fucking new character to read a fucking book about. Like, yeah, like yeah, she is just the next fucking. She is just the next version of an old character, but that's, that's apparently all we're that's apparently all we're able to fucking get anymore. So take what we can get. Hmm. Yeah, you see the image that I just put up in the uh, in the, yep. in the yeah. See, doesn't that remind you kind of the Darwin Cook kind of like his style a little bit? Uh, the one on the right know. does like full body shot a bit. Hmm. It's a bit more explicit than Cook did, but the face is very Cook. Yeah, I like uh, yeah, I like her style. So she is the artist on this. This one, uh, Elsa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it's enough to check out though. Nope. Yeah. All right. So, Birdie. All right, uh, a lot of well, disappointing Marvel books that we're talking about these days. <laughs> that's all Marvel's fucking oh. putting out, dude. Oh, God. Well. Secret Empire coming to, soon. Let's get back to fuck it, to uh, shitting on things ten- tangentially related to, to Neo Batgirl. So, Motor Crush. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Why would you read this? I don't understand. <laughs> because it had this. Isn't this the same the, people that did Batgirl? <laughs> that's the, that's the point. It had the audacity to say from the creative team that brought you the critically acclaimed revamp of Batgirl. <laughs> yeah, fuck this book. It's the fact that they were so fucking up on it. If they just, if they just had said from the creators from the creative team behind Batgirl. Like, it, but know. it's the fact that it was like from the creative team behind the critically acclaimed best-selling Batgirl. 
<laughs> right. Well, other than the sheer entertainment of maybe talking about it on the show, if that's what you did it for, I can understand. But like, it just I wouldn't think you'd check you'd be running to check this book out since it's the same people. But yeah, it go was, on. It was free, <laughs> but I almost <laughs> felt like I got ripped off. So I mean, it, I don't need to talk <laughs> about the art style because if you've read Neo Batgirl, you know what the art looks like. Uh. Story's stupid, um, because uh, mm. some Yay. girl is in a professional because it's one of these fucking thing. motorbike competition, but she's also a drag racer on the underground streets for a drug, a drug that apparently if you take too much of, you explode. Again, like you do. Uh, someone in her racing team finds her stash and tries to sell it, and that gets him killed in a Mad Max-style torture stunt. I don't care. <laughs> like, I... Pretty much every... <laughs> every issue I have with this book is stuff I remember hating. More of the same? Girl, that the, the writing is still childish. Mm. The character is an idiot. The I have no idea how this world works or why, because it's somehow both um, Watch Dogs 2 and Mad Max Fury Road. Those don't go well. Having, like, like a tongue-in-cheek kind of stupid and doesn't really understand technology, but fuck it, it's fun, versus Mad Fucking Max. Don't do that. Writers, just... This public service announcement from Dust or Prods. <laughs> I feel like we need to start doing yeah. those now. Just every once in a while, just put out a PSA. Yeah. So yeah, this book is stupid. <laughs> Shocking. It's, you know what's more sad though that they had the chance to branch out from that image and that style and like actually do something new with a creator own book. And but what why they would they do, do that? It's from the, it's the, from the creative thing. team of the critically acclaimed best selling right. book from DC right. Comics. Actually, Nico, what I'm gonna say, given how shit this book is and how much I hate Neo Batgirl, I'm gonna say that when DC corporate in their infinite knowledge said, eh, everything everyone liked about this book, let's just get rid of it and do something else. Uh, Fletcher and Tar are like, uh, we had this idea for like kind of a punk hipster girl who rides motorcycles. Good. Do that. Uh, sir, we kind of don't know how to do that. Oh, you'll make it work. <laughs> just- right. And then they put it in the book. It's like, we don't know if this is going to work. Like, I don't want to lose my job. And the, uh, the fucking reviews came in. It's like, oh, shit. And then one yeah. person in the back of their head is just like, your book sucks. And it's us. <laughs> I want to yeah. be that someday. I want to be the guy who makes a fucking comic creator or a video game creator or a movie creator or just fucking any kind of creator that says, hey, fuck this one person in particular. I, uh, I, you know what's funny? I don't even think I've ever talked about this on the show. I went to a show one time and I actually met Cameron Stewart and he's a bit of a douche, actually, in real really? life as well. Yeah, I know it's very surprising, right? 
<laughs> I never yeah. would have guessed. I figured he'd no. be motherfucking Teresa. No, no, he's a big douche. He was being very rude to some people. I kind of just kind of seen it. Like I was kind of st- like I was checking out another yeah, well, stuff uh, by his table, but he came up very snarky and douchey. You could be a jackass and still have talent because Mark Millar is a jackass, but he has talent. <laughs> like and even if he's turned yeah, around, his intermittently. And to be career, fair, Cameron Stewart's art on its own. Yeah. I'm not even talking oh, yeah. about his art. Like, him on his own, like, his art, not Babstar, like, Cameron Stewart's fine, but, like, it's just the fact that it's funny that I, I you know, I, my one interaction that I've had with him, he came off like an asshole. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but, you know, it could have been a bad day. Who knows? <laughs> so, yeah, this book sucks. This happens. Fuck off. Yeah. Be okay, then. Nico! <laughs> All right, uh, let's. I'm gonna turn the tables here and talking about a good Marvel book, one that's actually just found its footing. I would say, I, I very much enjoyed this issue. Uh, Jessica Jones, number five. Uh, so, uh, Jessica Jones. This is the relaunch of the Jessica Jones series, basically with the same team, Bendis and Michael Gatos, who was the original artist on the Alias series. And that they basically brought back once again because of the popularity of the TV show, I'm sure. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, when the series started out, uh, it was very strange in the sense that... Uh, I also will start off by saying that Jessica Jones... Uh, sorry, Alias, the original series he did under the Marvel Max imprint at the time, uh, which is like mature title reading, uh, is probably my favorite thing Bendis has done, other than maybe Daredevil. Uh, it's it's definitely... Even Powers, I think I've liked Jessica Jones' be- alias better. Yeah, this is real fucking um, good. It was very, very good. Just because it was a different voice uh, for, uh, for Bendis as a writer at that time, I thought he had a lot to say, and he did a lot of very weird, creative storylines happen in that book. And then when this series relaunched, it was kind of like almost you can't go back home again. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it felt weird and strange and wrong in a way. And it, she was basically very much had one foot into the Marvel Universe, which I didn't like. Because even in Alias, it felt, although people showed up from the Marvel Universe, it, it felt somehow outside of the Marvel Universe still a little bit. Like, just yeah. because the fact that it was a mature title and, you know, Luke Cage would show up, but he was not like you what you would expect from Luke Cage. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, 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 uh, like any time we actually see anybody in like a suit, it is either mm-hmm. in an entirely different art style or it's so far in the background you can barely see him. Right. So I think that he did a very good job of doing that in the first series. Um, and then in this one... Not so much because the first couple of issues you have kind of Luke Cage freaking out because at Jessica because Jessica has his daughter, their daughter, and he wants her back. And I guess Jessica went to jail for something. And it's very confusing. You don't really know what's going on. Bendis is just kind of stringing you along for the first two or three issues. Uh, and then you basically find out that uh, she faked uh, a... F- um, she faked all these kind of things to help Captain Marvel lure out some, like, um, I'm just looking at the front page right now, the recap here, because it was kind of uh, not as clear to me. Oh, yeah, anti-superhero group uh, out of out of hiding to pr- basically uh, convincing her to alienate her from the superhero community. 
and her husband, Luke Cage. So basically, this woman appears, this woman named Allison Green that's been following uh, Jessica this whole time. And basically, uh, she, she asks her to uh, come and help her take down Captain Marvel because uh, she's suspecting that she's a Hydra terrorist. Yeah, so that's more bullshit Captain Marvel things I'm sure that <laughs> you guys are not a fan of basically occurred. Um, but beyond that, forget about that for a moment because, like I said, it wasn't very much clear for the first four issues. But then in this issue... It was, it was basically a return to form to the old Alias series. This particular issue, I, I loved this issue. Because, because basically in this issue, what it was was Jessica gets called into an interrogation room uh, by somebody who they've brought in who's murdered his wife. Now, he murdered his wife, slit her throat, and ended up drinking her blood, of all things. So it's a pretty... Is it pretty Mordo? Fucking, no, no. It's just the guy. It's uh, just the guy. Yeah, it's just the guy. <laughs> he the basically... Guy, he comes in, and the the guy that um, is basically going to let her into the room to speak to him, uh, the police there, he says, uh, policeman says, um, tells her that this is what happened. Because she asks, and it's like, no, this isn't like a Law & Order episode. I'm not going to tell you what happens. And then they're just sitting there silently, and he like goes into the whole spiel. He's like, okay, he slit her throat. And she's like, oh my god. And she's like, and, and he drank her blood. She's like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it was pretty bad. So so she basically goes in there knowing all this, and for whatever reason, he is asked to speak with her. Uh, the reason being that she was hired earlier in this series to follow this man, uh, because his wife hired her thinking that her husband was cheating. I guess he found out that she was hired to chase him because she's seen her kind of do one of her shitty jumps away on top of a building that she does. Uh, and basically uh, confronted her about her about it, killed her, and now and then basically turned himself in and is only asking to speak to Jessica. And then they have like one of those very really good, well written Bendisi moments, like conversations for the rest of the issue. Basically, just a little back and forth, where he does one of those little meta conversations that he used to do uh, about like um, about comics in general. He used to do this kind of in Powers a lot back in the day, and also in some of the Alias type cases. And it just got to a point where he's like, yeah, I killed her. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. She's like, what do you mean it doesn't matter? And he basically goes into this explanation of how uh, secret wars happened. And as a result of Secret Wars, he was from that other uh, world, the sixth one, uh, the um, the one from Miles Morales, I guess. Sixteen hundred. Yes, uh, he was from one of those other dimensions that basically ceased to exist, and he basically ended up now in their world in the six one six. And he's like, yeah, you know, I had a kid, I had a wife, I had a family over there, and guess what? They just ceased to exist. They've gone out of existence. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. He's like, things happen, and it doesn't matter as time goes on. And then more shit happens, and then guess what? It doesn't matter. Like, he basically just kept saying this to the point where, like, she walks out of the room and she fucking blows up, and she's, like, furious because he brings to attention the fact that, guess what, your superhero buddies, they know about the the uh, fact that there's a different realities and that this uh, thing occurred. It's like, how come you don't know about this? How come you don't know about these things that go on? You know why? Because it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, he's basically just saying, like, things happen and change in comics, and as time goes on, this is my theory anyways, it doesn't matter. Like, nothing fucking matters. So he's a nihilist? Right? Like, yeah, like, it, yeah. 
but he's like driving himself almost like he's driving himself mad as he's like telling her this like very poignant uh, speech and like he and and it's just really well written very deep and and very fucked up like to the point where like at the end of the conversation you could you could really feel why she's all fucked up getting out of that interrogation room like she comes out and she's like do you have what you need and, he, and the guy's like Jessica like the, the, the police is trying to like calm her down he's like you know come here let's talk about it she's like do you have what you need and she kind of like storms out because she's all fucked up now because she knows that this man was right like nothing matters you know none of the decisions you make matter in life everything happens that happens and like yeah and then and uh and she knows that her superhero friends were responsible for secret wars now like she knows that they fucked up and they made big mistakes and and it just felt like a really old school Bendis type like interrogation room moment and the things that like the analyzation of like different meta type moments going on in comics and maybe in his real life in his head, who knows? But yeah, I it really, also and, it also like yeah. tracks with with Alias because like in Alias, the Purple Man knew he was a comic book character. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. It's been a while since I've read that. Right. You, you know what I mean, though? Like they used to have those little like meta commentaries in in that book, though. Yeah. Before. Um, that's what this issue reminded me and i was just very impressed because i'm like okay he still has it like he can still uh, whip up a story like this if he really wanted to okay but then at the uh, yeah anyways is this issue worth reading the proceeding for honestly i would you could read you can pick up this issue and read this issue and and enjoy it if you like the alias stuff you don't have to read the other shit yeah. Okay. So if you haven't if you haven't been reading it, definitely check this out. Either of you, if you haven't been reading the series, because because they'll definitely they'll bring up stuff that has happened. But honestly, like three quarters of the issue is basically just two conversations: one between Luke and uh, and uh, another person uh, regarding the custody of his daughter with Jessica, which was another or oh not not another person. What am I saying? It's um, buddy Ben Yurick. So the one conversation is a Ben Yurek Luke Cage conversation, which is like a quarter of the issue, and then the other three quarters is this really good interrogation room conversation between Jessica and this uh, this person, the murderer. So uh, really, really well done. Really good taste of what Bendis was really used to be good at, and like the great Alias stuff. I would definitely say check this out if you haven't. I was just I was just really surprised because up to this point, up to this fifth issue, this series was not like this in tone, and it wasn't what I expect and loved about the old Alias series. But this issue was kind of like a, a little reminder, like, yeah, I can still do this if I want, but <laughs> I choose not to because <laughs> for some fucking reason, I don't know. But uh, I, I loved this issue, uh, as you can tell. Okay, so, then. Yeah. yeah. So, that's what we're then. On to news. So first up, Image is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. Uh, they're going to be doing something every month with uh, starting... They started this month in February, but they're going to be releasing <laughs> variant covers uh. to celebrate their 25th anniversary. Uh, and with March, uh, they'll be shipping out uh, variant covers for their 25th anniversary, as well as for Women's History Month. Uh, there will be 11 covers in total, with uh, five of them have been released. Uh, they, those are for Rat Queens, Royal City, East of West, The Wicked and the Divine, and Motor Crush. <laughs> of course. And uh, the marches yeah, and the and the women's history covers will be focusing on the careers of women in comics, the strides made throughout the comic industry made by the women's movement, and the company's history of shaking up the status quo. On top of that... All proceeds made from the Women's History Month variant covers will be donated to Planned Parenthood. 
In a press release about the decision, uh, director of sales at Image Comics, Corey Murphy, said, Many of Image Comics staff, myself included, an ever-growing catalog of some, ta- of some of the most talented writers and artists in the industry, feel strongly about supporting women's reproductive rights. Women have come a long way in this country, and the progress that's been made is in part due to the efforts Planned Parenthood has made in sexual education and affordable preventable, uh, preventative health care. I'm extremely proud to be part of a company that's a, that's unafraid to take a stance in supporting a nonprofit that's recently been under fire. This month, we celebrate women's history, the strides women have made in the comics industry, and the differences the difference that everyone, male and female, has made by coming together in spreading equality. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. Good for good cause, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, uh, Rat Queens, Royal City, East of West, Wicked and the Divine, and Motor Crush. All of those covers have been released. And then we'll be getting other covers for Low, Moonshine, She-Wolf, Magdalena, Monstrous, and Old Guard. All right. Whatever. And it appears on Motor Crush, uh, one of the characters is a thinner rose quartz. Uh. (laughs) So that'll be happening. You can do with that what you fucking will, whatever. Moving on. Marvel is getting up, getting Rocket Raccoon, another brand new fucking series. Again. Wow. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like the fifth one. <laughs> yeah, and he's also currently in the middle of a di- of another one. <laughs> God damn it. You fucking piece of shit, Marvel. <laughs> uh, so the next series are going to have the whole Rocket Raccoon line. The series will be launching in May. (laughs) uh, From Al Ewing and Adam Gorham. Oh, yeah. And the artwork that has been released for this new series is Rocket doing an Ocean's Eleven some bullshit. Like, it's him. Somebody, I think, from the Star Jammers. And a Mm. tiny chick like like a tiny little baby chicken that has like the krillin forehead dots and they're all wearing fucking matching black and red suits and he has a fucking briefcase with sunglasses on because fuck i don't know because he's cool (laughs) (sighs) i got turned off as soon as he said krillin head dots (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you didn't do it with Krillin, I'm like, no. <laughs> there's an inter- there's a fucking small interview on Marvel talking to Ewing and Gorm about this. Read it for yourself. I don't fucking care. God damn it. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> this is hard-hitting news, man. This is what we read for. It's crazy. <laughs> so speaking of bullshit, the DC Cinematic Universe... Are we talking about Affleck? Yeah, so the Batman side of that equation has had some trouble recently. First up, Ben Affleck, the you know writer, director, producer, star of the Batman solo movie, stepped down from directing. And writing. Yeah. Uh, Matt Reeves has since been picked up to direct it, but that might not really matter because according to Collider, Ben Affleck wants out. Badly. Like, completely? Like, playing him? Yes. Yeah, I heard that rumor. 
Yeah, huh. so uh, John Campia on um, Collider Movie Talk uh, cited multiple sources, like multiple independent sources, uh, saying that Ben Affleck was in talks with Warner Brothers to just fucking get out of everything. Mm. Uh, there's a full discussion on Collider's YouTube. Uh, the video starts, the actual discussion starts around 17 minutes, 41 seconds, according to this fucking website I'm looking at. Yeah, it's not surprising. Not surprising, but hasn't he already? Haven't they already filmed him in the Justice League movie, though? Yes, they have. Hmm. So if That's they, gonna, yeah. So That'd if be he, interesting. Yeah, if he drops out now, it will be hey. So we got partway through our cinematic <laughs> universe, and then everybody just fucking left. Right. It, no, actually, that's like, bad. Actually, it would be hilarious. Um, you know how Marvel does the whole thing: so and so character will return in Avengers or sequel to their own movie. Yeah. <laughs> right. If they got to the end of Justice League, and Batman will not return in the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> no, or, no, or just at the end, just like Batman gets like, ah, oh, fuck my face. He has his face like melted off with acid. So he's like, "Well, we've done reconstructive surgery, and here's what you look like now." <laughs> you know what they can do? Actually, here's a fun idea. They could uh, make him come back as an old man, and then he could be the Dark Knight Batman. <laughs> old man Batman. And they could, yeah, and they could just cast like some some old guy, you know, and make it seem like time has just passed, and then it'll be basically the Frank Miller Dark Knight Batman. There's been worse ideas. Hey, <laughs> that's, that's not bad. Why? There have been worse ideas. <laughs> not at DC, but there have been. Yeah. <laughs> Old man Batman. I like so, it. <laughs> moving on. Marvel has announced a new Spiderman book. Because there aren't enough of those? Yeah, this one's about Peter Parker. The Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. And it's called Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man. Mm. It'll be written by Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. With art by Adam Kubert. Uh, Is Chip Zdarsky the guy who does I Hate Wonderland? Uh, no, that's no. Scotty Young. Okay, sorry. Fairyland. Chip Zdarsky does Howard the Duck. Yeah. Okay. Which is actually pretty good. I don't know. He's he's okay. I I wouldn't say he's bad. It's just I I haven't read something that I've connected with of his yet. But he also did Jughead and Sex Criminals. Yeah, yeah as the artist, I like Sex oh, Criminals. Man, Jughead can't be any worse than Riverdale. It's weird on that. I, I said Jughead because I liked the Jughead book. Okay, I wasn't certain. <laughs> I, I yeah, I read I read Jughead. a bunch of the, I read a bunch of issues of the Jughead book. It was real good. Uh, I stopped reading just because I just kind of fell off. I was reading a bunch of shit and I was falling off a lot of shit. Okay. Anyway, new comics will be getting a lead-in story on Free Comic Book Day with the first issue set to hit stores in June. When asked by Entertainment Weekly what separates this from their Spider-Man books, Zdarsky said, quote, <laughs> that's part of the quote. Nice. The main book, Amazing Spider-Man, has kept things 
you can't see them, but just fresh by stretching the character in, the, in, a, in a situation. It's still a classic Spider-Man at, at its core, but transposed into a new setting. With this book, we're using the same Spider-Man in continuity, but shifting the spotlight back to his New York City environment and supporting cast. But even though we're pushing to make it a more personal book, we're still gonna have we're still gonna have big adventures and ramifications that'll be felt in his other books. If I had like a true mission statement with this book, it'd be half fun, half heart, half stakes. My personal mission statement going into this book is with great power comes something I don't know, I've never had power before. Hey. You alright over there? <laughs> Remember when you remember when you read a Spider-Man book and you were like, "This is a good book." Sure. I miss that. Yeah. Like, yeah, Miles Morales. His book is still fucking doing gangbusters. Yeah. Book still real good, but it's not the same. I would say my favorite Spider book at the moment is uh, Spider Woman. Yeah, that book's real good too. Spider Gwen is doing things. Is there another one? I feel like there's like at least seven more. Oh, yeah, there is. I don't necessarily read them. I mean, if you want to count, there's Selk, there's Spidey. Well, oh, Spidey's canceled now. It's done. Uh, Spidey was good. There's, uh, which was a good one, but. <laughs> the Web Warriors uh, got canceled, I think. Yeah, I haven't heard. I haven't yeah. seen shit from them, which yeah. is unfortunate because the Web Warriors was cool. I mean, would they kill them to do a Spider-Ham book? That's all I'm asking here. It would. But. It would actually kill them. <laughs> fucking Alex, Alon- Alex Axel Alonzo, whatever the fuck his name is, yeah. walk out in the middle of yeah. the street and just have a heart attack. <laughs> what? <laughs> Spider-Ham? <laughs> fucking heart attack. His fucking- Why can't I just write more books about Miles Morales fucking various Gwyns? <laughs> fucking Gwenpool. Mm-hmm. Piece of shit. Anyway. Yeah. He's also going to be doing some fucking look at, like, Spider-Man and Peter Parker as separate characters or fucking whatever. Hmm. If it's funny, that might be fun. We'll see. I like Chip Zdarsky. uh, He has a good sense of humor. And he's got one of the various Kuberts on it. Yeah. Which is good. So, so we'll see. Yeah. yeah. I Here's hoping. I would love to read a main Spider-Man title again. I don't read one right now. No. I just read all the fucking spin-off <laughs> yeah. shit. And the, yeah. like the cover of it is... It's real Superman. Another thing that really fucking pissed me off is that I seen that Stuart Eminem is going to be the artist on the new arc of Spider-Man. And then I was like, oh, Stuart Eminem, because I really like his stuff. And then I was like, oh, Dan Slott. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, well, I guess I'm still not going to read it. I would love to, but no. Never. <laughs> not until the status quo changes. Like, I, I'm not reading this current version. I yep. don't know. So, moving on. Uh, the DC's Young Animal imprint has announced their first miniseries. Oh, nice. Yes, it is Bug, the Adventures of Forager. What the fuck? <laughs> what the hell is that? So, Forager is one of the new gods, a character created by Jack Kirby. Oh. Huh. Unfortunately, I think this is a character I have not seen since Countdown. Yep. However, 
Forager is being brought back by the Allred family. Ooh, sign me up. If there was ever someone who... Actually, why haven't the Allreds worked on the new gods yet? Because the universe hates us. (laughs) It just occurred to me, they worked on... Kirby stuff with Silver Surfer. Why haven't they wow. worked on the new gods? Wow, man, this guy looks stupid. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> he looks kind of dumb. But drawn by Elred? I'm sure that'll be awesome. Uh, yeah, so um, so the book will be written by Lee Allred, drawn by Michael Allred, and colored by Laura Allred. This is the most Allred-ass book you've ever fucking seen, dog. <laughs> Yeah, I'm on board for sure. That's awesome. Yes. So, um, while speaking about the book, uh, curator of young animal Gerard Way uh, said in a statement, I'm absolutely thrilled to have the first family of comics, the Allreds, producing Bug, the Adventures of Forager. I want to say that's like a really subtle burn against the Fantastic Four. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, anyway, this year DC is celebrating the fantastic brain of Jack Kirby, and this is our this is our offering to that wonderful tribute. In young animal fashion, this miniseries takes an alternative look at a character from the past, Forager, who still has a few unturned stones in his history. The All Reds brand of wild and weird fits perfectly with what we're doing, and in some ways inspired various aspects of the imprint. So it only makes sense to bring them in to do what they do best. We can't wait to show you what what they're cooking up. And hope this is the first of many family projects for the imprint that they'll be involved in. I'm actually really surprised. Took like, I'm actually really surprised that the All Reds weren't involved in the fucking launch of Goddamn Young mm-hmm. Animal. Yeah, no, that's true. Does that mean that he's going to be done with Silver Surfer then? Uh, you can you can work on multiple books and plus uh the plus Forger's a mini series. That's true. Yeah, no, I I have seen him kind of do a couple other things here and there while doing that series. So yeah, I uh, yeah, the more Mike Wallred, the better. Oh Thank hell you. yeah, that's great. It's great, awesome. You sound like you're fucking enthused. I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's oh, great. come on, this show's barely <laughs> gone on for two hours. No, we made very good time today. Actually, yeah, no, it's great. I just, I yeah, I'm still tired. Oh muffin. <laughs> Not of you guys. Come on. Anyway. <laughs> Just of life. <laughs> that's good for this week. Thank you all for joining us. Actually, one last thing, Deadman, I forgot. Um, I didn't know this when I last mentioned it, but the Legend of Korra comic that's going to be released later this year is actually a direct sequel to the last season. Oh, yeah, I saw that. that. It, uh, like, arc, yeah, they released a preview. Literally pre- the date. Yeah, they released preview pages showing what happened immediately after Korra and Asami stepped through the portal into the spirit world. Yep. So, really looking forward to that now, actually. Oh, hell yeah. Not getting my fucking Avatar fix anywhere else, Nickelodeon. <laughs> Jerks. You, had to, you just had to be shitty. You just had to be fucking shitty. And now we'll never finish the cycle. Fuck. Anyway, thank y'all for joining us. We'll be back... Fucking whenever. Hell, <laughs> and I'm dead. I'm Birdie. I'm Nico. Ratings. See you guys next time. Pumpkin sucks.
<laughs> you just had to say that. <laughs> you better stop recording by that point. <laughs>